Okay. Welcome to the Zebel Rebel podcast. I'm your host, Talia Herring, and this is the podcast where we rebel against Zebel one episode at a time. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Rabbi Kiva Gersh, who has been working in the field of Jewish education for 20 years with a strong focus on the connection between Judaism and the environment, animal welfare, and veganism. I'm really excited to have him here. I just heard him speak last week or so in Tel Aviv about veganism, and he has this whole course and a lot of wonderful, insightful things to say. So thanks for being here. Really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your story. You talked about how environmentalism actually brought you closer to Judaism and helped you become more religious. And I want you to share that with the listeners a little bit, how that is intertwined for you. For sure. So long story short, I grew up in a very typical kind of American suburban kind of way. I was born Jewish. I knew I was Jewish. I didn't have much of a connection to Judaism at all growing up. And environmentally, nobody was talking about it in, in my sphere, at least back then. Grew up in a very kind of, you know, consumeristic, materialistic kind of uh, suburban kind of way. As I got older into high school years, I got more involved with different organizations and, and groups that had to do with activism and trying to make changes in the world in a very, very light way at the beginning. I have a twin sister and she got more into that in high school than I did. And so that, that was always kind of like, it was there for me and an inspiration. But in college is where my activist work really took off. And specifically my first year in college, I had many, many realizations about life, about the world, about human society. And one of the main realizations I had is how much our everyday lifestyle choices are absolutely destroying this world. Like from the simplest yeah. purchase to this, what we think is the simplest action is just, is just adding to the destruction of ecosystems and pollution. I think that's a really important statement because it's not like it's, it's vindictive or on purpose or people aren't evil. People aren't trying to, it's just like the system that we grew up in is already in this existence. And like, even if you have the best intentions, you're part of it. Exactly. I mean, really it it, it, it was both eye-opening and like unbelievable and horrifying. And, and horrifying like oh my god i thought i was a good person you know look at i'm buying pants at a store yeah you know and of course you know pants are made halfway across the world and the the, the water that got used to for the cut and and the dyes and the chemicals yeah and, and the treatment of the, the factory workers and the factory workers and the transportation yeah I'm just like oh my god i just needed a pair of pants you know so that that was a very hyper aware kind of year i mean that hyper awareness i think has continued until today. Yeah. Have you like been able to calm those thoughts or? It's really interesting. It's really been like, I don't know, self-work really. It's been something for years that I've, I've thought about. There've been times that I've been not so good at it and, it, and it's really overwhelming. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's, a, it's a little bit scary because you're living in this world. That's this beautiful world and you want to live a beautiful life. And yet every single thing you do, you're, you're questioning and you're analyzing like, wait a minute, should I turn the light off? now because i'll be back in this room in eight minutes oh uh, that's right that but, kind of, you know, you know, but it's better for electricity yeah you know and then there's a million examples like you know just the stuff that i want to buy i i, I want to buy this thing but it's like wrapped in hard plastic packaging mm -hmm. so many things so so a few years ago at some point i just kind of got to the point like i need to be singing also in this sure. and in order to do something good in this world so while it's not that i'm not thinking about those things anymore i still am but I needed to bring a level of more, a greater level of sanity into my life that I'm not overly thinking about those things where it just, it's paralyzed. Yeah. You don't want to be paralyzed by it. I think that's like kind of the trope that a lot of people that work in climate action kind of feel that like there is the burnout, there is like the overthinking and the circular thoughts that are endless. And it's like how to make peace with that and actually have perspective and understand that like it's not on your shoulders to fix everything, but like you can take action and that can be part of it. And it could be like, just from a positive, like, okay, what am I doing? Not what am I destroying right now? Exactly. But what am I doing? Because yeah. it's just not our fault. Like this is inevitable of our society. You right, know? right. We were born into this system. Yeah. This is, this is we didn't hard. ask for the plastic. Right. We asked for like the thing we're buying. Right. We didn't ask for that. Right. 100%. 100%. So basically just, you know, that going back to that year in college, it was very eye-opening. It was very, you know, you know, filled with all these realizations. And, and I realized like I wanted to do something about it. I became, uh, I declared my major at the end of that year to be an environmental studies major. And that was my major for the next couple of years in college. And around the same time, I was going through this spiritual kind of awakening journey quest exploration, which at the beginning, if anyone told me that it would bring me full circle to my Jewish roots, I would have laughed at them because I was so not interested in anything Jewish at that point. 
And after a few years of this journey, it did bring me to my Jewish roots and I discovered new sides of Judaism and specifically the first new side that I discovered was Judaism's teachings about the environment. I had never known about that. Nobody ever told me about that. I was absolutely shocked and incredibly pleased to hear about it. And I just kept learning one thing after the next, and it just completely changed my image of, and perception of my own tradition. And that opened up the doors to check out Judaism in, in general. Actually, that led to me, you know, connecting very deeply to, to the Jewish practice, orthodoxy, whatever you want to call it, becoming an observant Jew. But it was really, you know, launched by this discovery of Jewish environmental teachings. I love that. And also, I think it makes so much sense because, the, you know, Judaism has a lot to do with like bringing, like uplifting nature, like working within the world, like the harvest season and our holidays, like creation, like it is very much like the normal themes of this culture and this religion. And it's like not celebrated enough. It's not talked about enough. But then once you do connect to it, like really it's, it's more universal almost. It's like, it's so, it's so deep and it's so like authentic and, and yeah, that's, it's cool that it, it impacted your life that much. 100%. Um, and I want to, okay, ask you your favorite fact about environmentalism. That's cool that you studied environmental science, environmental science or? Environmental studies. Environmental yeah. studies. Yeah. Wow. And that was a few years ago. So I bet things have kind of changed and developed. Yeah. Was, yeah. was like climate change the, with the center of the conversation or what was it about? It wasn't even part, we, we used to, it was called global warming back then. Right? Yeah. So climate change wasn't even a phrase back then. I mean, I'll, I'll date myself. This was, I graduated college in 97. Okay. It's already like, you know, 25 years yeah, ago this year. Old. Actually 25 years ago this year. So yeah, I mean, you know, we were talking about uh, some of the same things, you know, lifestyle, impact of lifestyle and, you know, pollution, of course, a lot of these same things, but they were, it was just, it was, it was phrased in a different way. How and the work? urgency wasn't as, as strong. Mm -hmm. I'll say the urgent, it wasn't like, oh my God, we are on the, on the cusp of. Yeah. We have a deadline. That was like. We have eight years, guys. Get it together. Yeah, you know, you go to the environmental studies office. There's the guy. It's just things <laughs> like, yeah, we'll talk. Taking this time, time. you know, <laughs> got time. It's it's definitely an issue for sure. We take it very seriously. Let's go hug some trees. You know, now it's like, it's yeah, a whole different thing. And of course, back then we didn't have social media, so that's really ending that. I mean, the ending didn't even use the internet back then. Wow. Yeah. Email was like text-based. Now you're just aging yourself. I know. I think it's, of it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, it was much more of like local conversations, campus organizations, mm -hmm. you know, connecting to the city around. Yeah. Now it's like world leaders talking directly and feel look on, so on one level, it feels so much more of a movement and so much more of the urgency is felt at the same time. The apathy is just as strong, if not stronger. You know, from the low, from the people, you know, the apathy nowadays, the apathy today, yeah. like, people are still completely apathetic both in terms of, you know, just people in your local community and the leaders, you know, making decisions that are impacting our world yeah. on a global level and they still don't get it and they still don't see it and they're just pushing it off. And it's like, it, it's shocking. It's I was just reading an article about how like Gen Z is the most aware of, of climate change, but also the most polluting generation because it's part of our culture, right? Like it's not their fault. They have to buy fast fashion on sheen because everyone else is and they're posting on tiktok every day and that's the reality and they're always on phones and they're always using electricity and they're always like this is just the reality but they're so aware of climate change because they also grew up with this vocabulary versus right. we did it and like that's amazing that you could have the awareness and not put into action and there's still even though we're feeling this urgency and we're like okay this is an emergency we're in like red zone now right. it's still not making that impact 100 percent. I, I like to to say that our our heads are filled with information today. You know, we're living in the information age or yeah. filled with the information, but it, the, the information hasn't gone down to our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, like- You need like to sit with it. Like to, 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 our, but the change is gonna come from our hearts. Do you care? Okay, you know this stuff, but you care about it. Yeah. You know, and if it doesn't go to our heart, which is the place where we care from, you know, metaphorically, so then nothing's gonna happen. I think there's also this like, there's probably like a psychological term for it, but it's like, when you think someone else is gonna take care of the issue, right? So like. Like climate change is global. So as one country, why should we, why should we make the sacrifice if other countries aren't going to do it? And as, as an individual, why should I make it? Or why should I miss out on buying that or doing that activity if other people are going to do it and they're not doing it. So I don't need to do it. And it's like this, this cycle of inaction because it's so stressful knowing that no one else is doing it or that they're doing it better or worse. And, and I think that kind of like paralyzes people. Right. 
I think, you know, and going back to when I was in college, I think that was one of the most important things I learned. It could be for talking about a favorite fact about environment. Oh yeah, yeah. back to the question. No, it's Right. It was true then and it's even more true today that it's all dependent on you. It's depending on it's depending on us. Yeah. If we are willing to make the changes in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's it's on our shoulders. You know, I, I remember, you know, this remembering right now, years ago, I was visiting a friend in his apartment and he was a fellow vegan, fellow environmentalist, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like on the same. Yeah, and, they're like, and, and he's cleaning his floors with, with bleach, mm-hmm. like standard bleach from the, from the supermarket. Yeah. And I said to him, like in a very nice calm way, I just said, though, I'm a little bit surprised that you're using bleach to clean your floors because of, you know, the pollution to mm-hmm. make it. And also, it's right, on your floor. It's, it's all, <laughs> right? It just. It's in your house. It's yeah. a health issue. Yeah. And, and he got so defensive and he got so argumentative with me about it. You know, it's not us. It's not about, it's, it's the factories, it's corporations. They're the ones who need to change, not us. And this guy was already a vegan. He already yeah. told him to change his life. And I was just so shocked by it all. Like that you know, is this blade, like you were saying, like, oh, wait, it's not me. It's them, mm-hmm. right? If they change, then, then the world will be safe. No. It doesn't work like that. We know already in economics, you know, why I always use this example. Why did Heinz ketchup start making organic ketchup? They don't care about organic agriculture. Yeah. And they knew that there's a market now for organic. And you are going to buy it. They're going to buy it. So they're going to have, you know, and so it's another thing to do. Yeah. Right. So we are the ones who need to make the like demand it. To demand it. And then they'll, they'll follow. Mm-hmm. It's not that the court, you know, we follow the corporations. The corporations are following us. If we stop buying their product, they're either going to go out of business, you know, or they're going to change the, the way that exactly. they fund their business. That's why I think with all of, especially in America, where it's it's very like fast food culture, like all of like KFC and McDonald's, they're all creating like vegan options now. Right. Because it makes sense. Like you can't go out of business just because the world is changing. You need to adapt. So yeah, buying, you know, fake chicken nuggets is not necessarily good for your health, which is part of the, part of the, the culture of veganism. It's just another food that you want to have a snack and it makes sense. Like they need to provide that because there's a demand now. Right. I think, I think when we're making changes, it's like good to remember that it's also for investment for, okay, climate, but also for ourselves. like using bleach is not good for your own health. Like everything that you're doing when it comes to stopping pollution is for your own breathing, your own happiness. Like it's all, it's all very selfish and very much like good for you. So if, as long as we do it from like a place of like, this is my benefit and I'm enjoying this and this for myself. And I hopefully like people will be more motivated to make these changes. I, I don't know how to do it, but like... no, I, I think you're hundred percent right. I think first of all, there's many reasons to care about the environment and there's mm-hmm. many reasons to go vegan and change the way you eat. Right. And some of them are more altruistic. Like I care about the animals. I can't imagine that my food choices are going to cause such pain and suffering to the animals. Yeah. That's what other people, as we know today, when I went vegan over 25 years ago, it was again, going back to what we were saying, it was like the, 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 the fringe hippies on the side yeah. on vegan. And now it's, it's something that is. Now it's athletes or people that just had a heart attack that, exactly. you know, like if they were told by the doctors, like you need to make it's these changes. Exactly. So, right. So it's just, you know, talking about the athletes. I mean, that's a whole world of people who are going plant-based, you know, mm-hmm. which is amazing. When I hear them talk or when I watch, you know, Game Changers, which is an amazing documentary. Right. Yeah. Like, wow. Call a couple. Like if, if that influences more people to go vegan, two thumbs up to you. But the one thought I had, and that's, that's for me and not for them, and it's totally fine. But like, I was thinking like, wow, I didn't hear one thing about the animals the entire time. Yeah. You know, so they don't bring in ethics at all. Right. It was all, again, as you said, it was all about them and their performance and their health and their strength, which, okay, that's great. Yeah. As altruistic, fine. But But at least the the, the end action is still going to be better for the environment, for the animals, for the world and, and for them, which is great. And And whatever path you choose to living a more environmental life whether it's veganism, whether it's cutting out certain product, whatever it's going to be, it's going to benefit you as well. And mm-hmm. it's going to benefit humans all over the globe. And that's the, that's the beauty of it is that it benefits and impacts positively every single level of reality. For sure. There's no one who's going to lose out from this. Even the, the wording of veganism really changes on who's talking about it. Like when I, and this is wow, so Instagram focused, but when I follow like queer vegans or from minorities that are talking about like how the, the intersection of like our ableism and us being like these humans that are deciding the fate for animals, like that is the main conversation. Like what makes us put them in jail and think that we have the right to control? Like I'm not doing anything good for the world by not eating the animals. Like I don't have the right to eat the animals. Like it comes from like a place of like 
total like losing the ego of us as humans and like deciding as the kings of the world and it's like from a, a totally like different philosophical idea of it's not like good for my health it's not for the planet it's like what made me even think that like that was a reality like that's not a reality it's really powerful it's really yeah. powerful i think i think it's amazing that they're all right like all like these new kind of ends yeah and 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 understandings of why eat a vegan diet you know when i was giving my first round of my online course about Judaism and veganism, there was a woman in the course who, who really opened up my eyes to something similar to that. Not exactly that, but almost like women's rights, mm -hmm. women's issues and veganism. She shared in one of the classes, like the interaction. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I never thought of that. And you're just like, I mean, and, and it's really ever since then, my eyes have been wide open to this. Sure. And, and again, like 25 years ago, we weren't talking about this when it came to veganism, but she brought up like, look at it. These female cows are basically, you know, can I say like, are getting raped basically. Yeah. Impregnated. Yeah. Right. Multiple times in their life so that they can get pregnant so they can produce milk. The second they have their babies, they're ripped away from them and their milk is stolen from them. For sure. And also sexist in, in the other way as uh, like baby chickens that are males are being killed because exactly. they don't provide the the profit that exactly. a female chick does. So like, like the understanding of, of like what each gender can like deliver financially to the world, like that is the mindset that is so problematic. That's like leading this huge, like that's what we're, we're that's what we're like dissecting in the new conversations of, of veganism and environmentalism. It's like, okay, what gave us the right to like section off everything that like, this is my plot of land. And what I do is like my property but like it still affects the other person's property right so like now we're like drawing down those borders of of like oh whatever we do affects the rest of the world right. and like we have a a responsibility and an obligation and like ethical like reason to care about other people 100 it's really interesting because you know again you know i went vegan in college you know in the end of the 90s i was environmental studies major i was an environmental activist among other forms of activism and then like, you know, I graduated college and, you know, a job and a family and, mm -hmm. and, and my activism was, my activist work went to my educational work, you know, for like a good, I don't know, 15, 20 years, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100
sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That like diet is a big part. Like I, I remember when I was like studying abroad in Germany and people, you know, I'm vegetarian, but also like kashrut wise, I was just like everything has animals in it. Like everything has pork in it. So I like, I would drink beer, eat a pretzel, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, eat vegetables. Right. But like when you're in a different location, it really impacts your, right. your option. Right. Okay. So back to the question, what's your favorite fact about environmentalism? So is this straight up that it's, 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 it's our actions, it's that, our actions. That, that it comes down to our actions. What are we doing? What changes are we making? What changes are we willing to make? If we see the problems, are we, are we making changes in our own personal lives to impact the change and to believe, and this is the point that I did not make before, is that don't be, you know, scared off or overwhelmed by this idea of like, oh, but nobody else is doing it, or it's just me, I'm just one person. That, that is the direct route to failure for everything in life, I think. Yeah. Right? But especially the environmental movement. Ones add up to tens, tens add up to hundreds, up to thousands, tens of thousands, and then you have a movement, right? So if every single individual says, well, just one, then nothing is going to change in this world. Also, if you, if you do it with other people, right? Like you being a vegan by yourself, okay, that's your individual impact. But the fact that now you're educating other people, like that is a much bigger impact. Like it doesn't even matter that you're vegan. It's the fact that you've got other 20 people vegan or that other people like that is right. like you have to start as an individual in order to have that that like um snowball effect but you have to include other people you have to like if i'm only buying secondhand clothing but not talking about it with other people it's like not it's right. not important you right. have to talk about other people and you have to make it fun and you have to bring joy into it and you have to like make it relatable and interesting and like relevant towards a person's interest and then and then things get moving right but you have to get other people involved otherwise if you're like ashamed of your environmentalism or if you're ashamed of like these calls to action then we're not going to get anything moving right 100 percent, 100 percent. like anything if you look at any movement any successful movement especially they start off small they start with a few people who are committed you know and so invested yeah that they can't not say anything and then that like you said it snowballs and then you have a movement again i mean when i was a kid recycling didn't exist I mean, think about that. When I was a kid in elementary school, recycling didn't exist. By the time I got to high school, recycling was becoming a thing. Wow. And I remember I was part of this club where we'd go around to the classrooms to teach younger kids how to recycle. How to recycle, you know? You put this in that box. I still feel like we need that. <laughs> I mean, I think we still have a special digital, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, and just to see where that's coming. Not that recycling is the end all. Yeah. Know, the world, exactly. Right? <laughs> right? But, but just with veganism, forget about it. You know, the, the movement has exploded. The consciousness and the awareness. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, like I was, I was in a nearby uh, shopping plaza the other day and I passed by a McDonald's and I saw, I think it was actually the first time I'd ever seen it, you know, in, in person. They had a big sign for like the vegan Big Mac, yeah. whatever it is. I'm like, of course I'm not going to buy it, you know, but I'm like, okay, that's big change. You know? For sure. McDonald's as a vegan, I know what it's menu. Like, so like I wouldn't be that. imagine that 25 years ago. So there's definitely, you know, again, not that every change is the change you're waiting for, but there's de and the fact that it's just even the public sphere. Yeah. Is, you can't ignore it as easily. Exactly. I okay. think that that's important to focus on. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of not ignoring it, I wanted to ask you, like, in the Jewish observant community, like, do you get pushback? Do you ever get, you know, people that are, like, denying climate change or denying, like, like the stance about the Judaism supporting, like, you know, environmentalism and, and veganism? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Every, 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 guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a big question. It's a great question. I feel like some people are like, of course, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, Judaism has these teachings. It's very obvious. What I love about teaching about the environment and veganism from a Jewish perspective is that these are not my own thoughts. All I'm doing. Yeah. You're like, it's their fault. I, I'm quoting them. Yeah. I think I'm a guy, like a, a salesman. Here, check out this and check out that. You know, it, it, it's already there. It's already written. It's already, you know, coming from well-respected and, yeah. and completely accepted sources. And I'm just bringing it to light. I bring it to the surface and I'm, I'm compiling it and sharing it in the form of uh, a class, a webinar or a course mm -hmm. or an Instagram post, whatever yeah. it might be. And so that I love, but still. There's a million and one, there's a billion and one teachings in Judaism, right? So these teachings are not always, and often they're not at the forefront or they're in the front of anyone's mind. I, I can say, hey, look at this book of 867, the, the last teaching down. 
Okay. Because there's so many other things on the page. There's so many other things on the page. In that book, on the bookshelf, you know, you go to a typical religious school or a yeshiva, you got like shelves and shelves of of holy books. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of these teachings get swallowed up by all these other teachings. They're not always being taught. I mean, they're not being taught at all. That's what's interesting about, I feel like what I'm doing, if I can say in in an humble way that, you know, I'm sharing these teachings that, that have been, I think, kind of ignored. Yeah. But they do exist. I mean, they're fully there. And I feel like we need to present them in this very kind of organized, but in this way that brings all these teachings together. So it really becomes more obvious. Like, wow, Judaism says a lot about environmental stewardship. It says a lot about food ethics. It says a lot about, you know, what what we eat, you know, and how. I know. That's that's so confusing. It's like we focus so much about like the morality of like meat and dairy being separate because we think that that's moral. But like. How did how did we focus on that and not focus on the other aspects? Right. Like, what made us pick and choose? Like, okay, Shabbat is really important, but like, this is less important. Right. I think there's like a norm. There's like this normative Judaism. There's normative human living, you know. Yeah. And Jews have been eating meat for thousands of years, and we're allowed to eat. Judaism allows us to eat meat. You can't deny that. But at the same time, there are all these teachings that say, but yes, when God gave humans the permission to eat meat. It was, it was falling from the ideal mm-hmm. and we have to, re, we have to remember that it was a concession, right? Because of the fall of humanity at the time of the flood, going back to the time of Noah, right? But it wasn't the ideal. It's still not the ideal that one day, some rabbis say, right? And I obviously agree with him that, that we'll return to the original diet that humanity was given. Of course, that being a, a vegan diet, but going back to your original question, I think in the religious world, there's just, there's just such, you know, busyness with everyday life. You know, so many other things. There's so many other things to focus on. Judaism is chock full of, I mean, you, from the second you wake up to the second you go to sleep, you can be filled and, and involved with Jewish rituals. Yeah. So it, again, it's not always at the forefront of people's mind. They, if, if they're a religious family, that often means a, a large family. They have seven, mal- seven kids to feed. You know, what's the easiest way? What's the quickest way? I don't have to think about it because of other things to think about. For sure. So all these things together, they add up to like, they're not thinking about these things very often. It's too and, much. And, exactly. And it's like, and, and, and then they just go to that. Judaism says it's okay. So my friend, leave me alone. So what do you, how do you respond to that? Because you, it has to come with empathy. Like that's a lot on your plate. That's a lot to deal with. I, I like as a single person only caring about my own day, like it's already a lot. Like I can't imagine taking care of the people and then like also like, reusable plates and vegan food, which does take more time to cook. Like right. putting chicken in the oven is like really easy. Right. And then chopping up a bunch of herbs for a salad and like making tofu might take more time. Right. Like 100%. I can just quick share a quick idea yeah. with you because uh, a couple of years ago, our, our oldest child, our son had a bar mitzvah. So we had a, a thing at the local synagogue and my wife and I are really, you know, obviously into environmental stuff and living and all that. And what, you know, we know like the whole like re the um disposable place and stuff where yeah. we go. They're always being used at a kid yeah. and function at this out of that. Because there's just too many people to like have like a yeah. plate. But it's really important to us. So we made sure we brought all of our stuff. We, mm-hmm. we told people Bring your own bring your own plate and yeah. bowl to this kiddish. Did they actually do it? Most people did. We had some extras that we brought for those we forgot. We set up compost and recycling Amazing. boxes on Shabbat and we brought it back to our house and put in our compost and took care of the recycling after Shabbat. And it was really cool, you know, just like to show people it's not that hard. Yeah. You know, this is doable. It takes a couple extra steps, but it's totally doable. And, and to again, go back to your question more directly, when I say to people, when they say that, it's like, my friend, you're right. Judaism says you're allowed to meet 100%. But you know what else Judaism says? X, Y, and Z about animal welfare about human health, about, about resource management and yeah. resource use and, and not wasting. I mean, these are Torah laws. These are just like values, you know, kind of like founded the sidelines of Judaism. These are front and center Torah laws counted amongst the 613 mitzvot. Yeah, I love that. It's like connecting it to like, like being res- like focusing on what's the terminology of, of focusing on resources. Baltashit. Done, Baltashit, like not wasting something. Exactly. I think like that, to connect it to that makes a lot more sense than like connecting it to like the general tikkun alam, which I think is the, the automatic mindset of like, oh, I'm doing good things for the world. Ha ha, I'm a good person. But like this, when you have like a stronger foundation, it's like a lot, like, yeah, we have responsibility to not waste resources. And that's what sustainability is all about. It's like, yeah. we have a limited number of resources. Remember that it's not endless. We don't have, it's like endless that we could just not 
be mindful at all of what we're doing. 100%. And if, especially for the religious community, for religious Jews, you can't just say tikkun alone. Yeah, right? it does it, not flow. It, it doesn't flow, it doesn't go. It's not found specifically in the sources as a, as a commandment. Yeah. It's a value for sure, you know. But, but it needs to be like a specific commandment. Exactly. Tell me where the Torah says that I should care about animals. Oh, you know, like, yeah. very easy. They can show you dozens of sources of, of respected rabbis throughout the generations, sages who, who tell us we need to care about the animals. I mean, sure. Judaism is chock full of these teachings, right? So it, at one level, it, it, it's, it's very easy. Again, then the harder part is like what we were talking about before is taking it from the head to the heart, right? Mm -hmm. And now I care. But it, I believe, ideally, if, 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 you know, we're talking about like in the religious world again, if a Jew is really committed to, the, to doing God's will and, and, and to carrying out the Torah in the best way possible, it's kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah. You know, because, you know, the issues that exist in a world today didn't exist a couple of generations ago. They didn't exist for centuries and centuries. Which is hard in religious Judaism when we're like basing it off the path. Exactly. And like, no, this is a different time. This word is exactly. Different and, and that's the other big piece. I, I don't think they always get that the way animals are raised today is not the way that our, our grandparents raised out. For sure. What's happening, the impact of eating a meat-based and animal-based diet today is not the same as it was a few generations ago. It's a, we're living in a, things have radically changed in a short amount of time. We need to catch up our, our, our understanding and awareness of that. But once we do, then it's just like taking the laws of Judaism that have always been there and applying them in, in, in modern day times. If my eating is causing pain and suffering to animals in ways that never happened before, and Judaism says I can't cause unnecessary pain and suffering to animals, yeah, and I have to think about what I'm eating. There. You know, if my eating is causing all of this wastefulness in the world and 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 resource, you know, resources to to be completely overused and abused, mm -hmm. and that never happened before either, so I have to think about that for sure. So. It's a different set of responsibility. It's funny because in my family, like they're all big meat eaters. And my grandfather who passed away when he was 97 was a butcher. And it's like in our family, it's a joke. Like if you eat hot dogs every day, you live a long life, right? Because <laughs> like he didn't have, like that was the diet. And like, so it's, it's like a weird when I talk about like the health benefits of like not eating it, like people laugh at me because it's, there are the acceptance of the rule, but it's also like, okay, but he ate, food that he was preparing, that he was involved in the process. It's not like we're going to the supermarket now and we have no relationship to the food and no idea like where it came from. Especially in Israel when like we're bringing in livestock that are alive and they're like sitting on a boat. Like I can't even imagine. Like it's horrible to me. It's horrible to think about. Like wouldn't you think when you zoom out and you think of like the, the situation, the process of what animals are going through now, it's so different than in the past. 100%. 100%. And, and I know for me when I first went vegan, that was one of the very first thoughts and awarenesses I had is how disconnected we are from the animals and from the, the food that we're eating. And hundred percent, I, I know it might be a little bit, I don't know what the word is, radical to say, but I think- Do it, most, be radical. Most people who are vegetarians and vegans today, if they were alive two generations ago, would not be vegetarians or vegans. Mm -hmm. Most of us are reacting to what's happening in our world today, our generation, right? Why, if you look at, you know, the story of humanity over the past few generations. Why is it our generation where there's this explosion mm -hmm. of, of changing the way we eat because of what's happening uniquely in our modern day times? Even though I, I, I philosophically and even religiously believe that veganism is the ideal diet. Yeah. Right. I, I understand why there was not a vegan movement two generations ago or three generations ago going further back into the past because the world was different. For sure. And we were reacting to such an extreme shift of reality that we're saying no this is not okay absolutely not okay i was i was reading about like switching to being vegan or being vegetarian how usually until now it's been like this eight percent that are, are vegetarian or vegan because you know people join but they they don't last for so long or like they realize it's harder or like things change and then like for a few years they stop and what the consensus is is that like okay it's not about being vegan 100 percent of the time it's like being vegan 80% of the time or like vegetarian 80% of the time. We're like trying to, and like, okay, you have pitfalls. You don't have to have the perfect, like, like if you have to eat meat at one time, then you're like, okay, you're more mindful about it or you try to go local or whatever. Or you try to work within like your health needs, but to make it more accessible to have like plant-based options. Like, of course, we were talking about like climate justice and the fact that, you know, people in the periphery has less access to vegetables. Like that's a huge impact when you're choosing this, this lifestyle when you have to eat more plants in order to get your proteins and, and all your nutrients that you need. 
but also like access to that and how that plays into it. And and it, I think like there has to be policy changes in order to change the prices. And because like things have been subsidized now, whereas like eggs are always 11 shekels and milk is always like at a certain amount in order to have like a basic pantry available for the public. But okay, let's get vegetables also be like higher quality vegetables at a lower price and let's subsidize that. And let's focus on like urban gardening and, and let's make it more accessible to get this high quality food that we need in order to have it more like globally accepted and, and easy for people to do. Because if the burden is on the individual and it's really hard to get access to those things, like it's just not going to work. It's not going to be sustainable for the person to take that lifestyle on. 100%. There's so many different factors and so many for sure. pieces of part of this story. And there's also culture. I mean, I'm thinking just like now, like Israel, you know, people think of Israel, oh, they eat like a lot of vegetables. Yeah. And we do relatively. But it's different. But we still eat a ton of, as a country, Israel eats a ton of meat and dairy. So it's, mm -hmm. it's like a funny thing. So everything you said, totally 100%. Yeah. Accurate. Like in Israel, we have a lot of vegans, but we also have like the most, the ratio of like the beef per person, like per capita wow. is really high here. Wow. Yeah. Because, because when someone eats animals here, like they eat it daily. It's like yeah. part of our culture. Right. So I mean, you, you kids hang out, they, they yeah. eat bungalow, right? They, yeah. They're going to have a barbecue. I didn't do it when I was growing up. I, mean, I guess yeah. we went to restaurants and bought the, the meat or the pizza or whatever we were eating. But here it's like, oh, there's a celebration, sure. you know, barbecue. You know, sure. it's, it's, it's so ingrained in, in, in the culture. And I think all these different cultures from which Jews came back to Israel from, they brought mm -hmm. all those food cultures with them. And many of them are very much centered around meat. Yeah. So it's the right. It's like, it's like the social economic changes. It's the cultural changes. It's, but I, I feel like at, at, at the heart of it is, is the heart. There's this like, we're, we're supposed to be carrying compassionate beings. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what our Jewish tradition of, of anything. I mean, there's this powerful, beautiful teaching that says, if, 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 a, if a Jew isn't kind, mm -hmm. if a Jew isn't compassionate, you should question if that person is really Jewish. It's like a crazy teacher. It's like they're identity. Yeah. You know, it's like we are like the Jewish tradition, it, it, it equates us. That needs to be a bumper stick or something. You know, and so like, I know like we don't always carry that out, but to know that that exists in our tradition and we're supposed to be kind and compassionate. And if we're eating in a way that's not kind and compassionate, again, nothing's ever perfect. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. You and, could, you could not be compassionate to people, but be compassionate to animals. Exactly. And then, and you're also going to be vegan and still like this thing that you're eating came from like 5,000 miles away. Yeah. Only like, outside of the quinoa. <laughs> all the things. So it's like nothing is perfect in the world today, but we are meant to, and we're encouraged to do the best that we can. But especially when it comes to another sentient being, you know, if I'm having my family celebration, celebrating my, my son or daughter, like coming into like age, coming of age. And there's like all this meat on the table. Yeah. And, and I know people don't think like that. I get. I know. I think about that at weddings. Oh, at weddings, right? I've oh, so what? It, and it goes to waste. Like people, like Plus just sitting out. Oh my God, that's the worst. At the end, to see all this, all these animals that didn't need to get killed. It's so sad. Because they thrown in the garbage. It's like, why are we celebrating? So if we can bring that sensitivity, that awareness into, into you know? Yeah. I think in general, being more sensitive to the world is always a plus. Like, to an extent, like you don't want to overthink and, and be like hypersensitive, but, but just like being more mindful of things also gives you more awareness. And like, I know that gratitude is the big thing now in our like, you know, overly uh, technology focused age. We're also trying to like, okay, how to be gratitude and ground yourself and like be more mindful. But like gratitude happens. So the first step is like being aware and then you can be grateful for what, what you're looking at. But right. Right. to like look around and be like, wow, I live in a place that these are the things that I have access to. And like, I appreciate that. And how can I strengthen it? And how can I be part of a society that like is more kind to other people and that like isn't taking advantage of the weak ones, you know? Right, right. But again, I think like from a Jewish perspective, I think that's an advantage that our, our movement has is that the teachings are already there. Everything's yeah. already there. Judaism we applied it. For 3,000 years plus, be the nicest person you could possibly be. Yeah. And now we just need to apply it. And, and, and often I think people, I mean, even, you know, just like the, 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 there's a mitzvah, there's a law from the Torah that says you need, if you're sitting out to eat, you need to feed your animals first. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, everyone had animals, right? So every time you're eating. Three times How would you apply that and translate it to nowadays, you know? Yeah, now that we don't have animals around us, so it's a whole different world. So just think about, right, exactly, applying the same values. as But even just the, 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 the enormous amount of teachings that focus on being a good person, mm -hmm. being a kind person, a compassionate person. Now, oftentimes, you know, we, we think that applies, you know, only to other human beings, mm -hmm. but we know from Jewish sources that, that 
it's meant to be applied, you know. On a bigger scale. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as being a nice person to your coworker and then, you know, you know, abusing an animal. For sure. Abusing a dog or whatever it might be, you know. Yeah. It's confusing. You're eating meat, but like you have a dog that you love and that's your best friend. It's like. I, I have to, I have to share this with you. I, okay. It happened just on November 1st because it was World Vegan Day. I was on my way to a World Vegan Day event. And I was about to jump in my car and I, and I, and I heard this, the screaming just from outside of it, like an animal screaming, uh-huh. right? And then we know one of the neighbors, it just got a new dog and he was barking a lot. So I'm like, oh, it's probably just a dog. As it kept going, kept going. And I come outside and it's this dog who was barking, okay. but it, it wasn't barking, it was screaming. What happened? He got his little leg stuck in the fence okay. of, of his, where his, right? And the other neighbors were already out there trying to free the leg. I got involved. Another day we got involved. It was just like four or five of us trying to free this dog. Like move it a certain way or else got to a break. It was like a whole, took us like 15 minutes to free this dog's leg. And finally we did. We're all like, ah, you know, all like happy. Yeah. And like, go, go teamwork, you know? And I was thinking, how crazy is this? I'm on my way to a World Vegan Day event right now. And my neighbors who I love, and they're so sweet and they're so awesome. They're probably going to go inside and either have a lunch or a dinner that's meat-based. Yeah. Animal-based, right? And like they care so much about this dog's leg. Yeah. But what about the animals that they don't see, right? And so, it's, so what it, it showed me is that like there is this innate care and concern for animals. Mm-hmm. They had it. They exhibited it. They wanted to help out this animal. But they don't, not even attention, they just don't extend it to the animals that they don't see that are behind the scenes that are in the food industries that are serving them. For sure. And if they were able to, if they were able to go to those places and every time they wanted to get a burger or a schnitzel or whatever, see those animals, they probably wouldn't eat it. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have that camera. There was, there was like a project that someone like put stickers like in the, like hello, my name is sticker on all the meat packages and like gave them animals names because like they have names, they have identities, they have purpose, but like they're right now covered in saran wrap and styrofoam and with a price tag and that's it that's just what it is okay so we've been talking about a lot of different thoughts i just want to ask like what gives you hope what what do you see is like the thing that gives you joy and hope in this like sometimes a little bit questionable and like dark conversation i think one of the things that gives me hope is that when i talk to people about it even if they haven't made these changes in their lives they 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 get they see it it's like there's a click i mean it's hard not to get it it's hard not to it's hard You're to argue. It. <laughs> no, 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 but it's just like it's like yeah, it's like this, choosing between this and you know the the normative way of living today. It's clear that this is the better way of living, mm-hmm. right? But it takes self sacrifice and more investment of time or whatever it might be. But so that gives me hope that people at least intellectually see that this is good and it's better than the normal way of living today. So that gives me hope because I think if, if if they if they know that. Then there's hope for the future for all those people that, that again, I keep using yeah. the same phrase, but I think it's really important that it'll come down to their heart and, and they'll make changes, right? It, the easiest thing is to have it in your brain. Then the next thing is the heart. And then the last thing is the hands, like our actions. You know? I think sometimes it's okay that it takes a few times. Yeah, like it, it takes thinking about it, relearning it a few different ways, and then putting it into action in a smaller way, and then going back. Like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be hundred percent vegan. Like right. I, I know like probably vegan friendly isn't like into that like messaging, but like, I really believe that it's not your fault. We have to take steps. Right. We have to like talk about it. Right. Do like make it more of our culture that it's okay right. to make changes. It's okay to care. It's okay to like, also it's a little bit embarrassing. You're like, okay, I've been vegan now for, for 25 years. That's really cool of you. But if you were turning vegan now and you're like, wait, I've been living a whole adult life not being vegan and now I'm going to show my kids that I'm changing my lifestyle or I'm going to show my wife that like this is going to be a new reality for me or my friends in the workplace like there is a lot of like social like isolation with changing your lifestyle and I think that that's scary like are you going to be invited for Shabbat meals are you going to be able to feel comfortable going out with friends because if you go to a vegan restaurant your friends might feel like that's like imposing on them so there's a lot of things that are like really really hard to deal with change your lifestyle and it's okay to give yourself the empathy and like the support of like this is this is a process this is not gonna be perfect like it's gonna take time 100 i agree with all of that and right like my identity today is is linked with me being vegan people know me as that when they come over to us they know what we yeah but you're right if somebody you know in, in an older age you know 30s 40s whatever is, is making the change 
they will have those new challenges, hundred percent. And right, that's something that they have to take into consideration or they have to deal with and, and agree with you in terms of being a process, you know, but it's doable. You know, sure. I, I just, I just met a guy named Neil Rosenfeld, an Israeli who's been living in Germany for years, who is a restaurant owner, had, you know, a few very successful, you know, meat restaurants mm -hmm. and he watched one lecture. Heard from one other person, became vegan over no way. His wife went vegan, his kids went vegan. He changed. It took him about six months, he said, to change all of his restaurants. They're all vegan and they're even more successful than they were before. I love that. It's an unbelievable story to say, like, yes, there will be challenges when you go vegan later in life. There is the so, fear, the pushback. Exactly. But like, there's but so the, much like, that you can gain. With fear, so the most positive way vegan activists now. I see one on Instagram. He's just like, well, he just, he's way more. <laughs> I don't know if I show myself that like, I can't show that because that's a little bit diversive. I can't say that. That's a little bit radical. He's just like, no holds barred. He's just, I'm going to tell you as it is. And it's amazing. So, look, you know, so in terms of like hope, we have to be hopeful. There's so much to not be hopeful about. We, I, I, every day we could wake up and say, forget it, right? The, the earth is doomed. We're doomed. Yeah. We stop. If we already passed it. I asked you what's hopeful. No, I, I, no, no, no. no. What I'm saying is that we have the choice. Yeah. We have the choice every single day. And I could make that choice. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't. Yeah. It's like right? the choice of like your mindset when it Not comes wrong. to things of like, can I learn from this experience? Can I like give myself like, okay, a pat on the back. Like this was hard for me, but like the rest of the day, like I can choose these things. Like it's about a mindset. It's about choosing to take action, yeah. even though you feel like, right. wait, what's the, I feel like these days I'm consciously choosing to be hopeful. Yeah. Because what's the alternative? <laughs> yeah. It's, and I think Judaism is very much about that. Judaism is, is constantly encouraging us to remain hopeful no matter what. I mean, look at it. I mean, we want to have survived as a people. Yeah. And we're going to do that. So we can take that value that is already ingrained in our DNA and apply it to this work and say like, yeah, I, I'm going to choose to be hopeful. And yes, I will have moments of like, I'm just overwhelmed and I'm like, I give up right I now. Up right yeah. now. And, you know, I, I I saw this graffiti in Tel Aviv, actually, that said, you know, I'm choosing not to change the world today. I love that. And there's, I, I've thought about that a lot. And I've shared that with other people. And there's, it's really powerful because yeah. the thing was like, I'm not totally giving up. But today I am. I just want to sit with my book and a coffee and I don't know, take a bath or something, whatever it might be. But like today I need some me time, some mental health time. Yeah. Because thinking about it all the time is 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 running me down and that's beautiful call it good like you're taking care of yourself so i do believe that you know what's there to be hopeful for like it's why we're here for sure like, from a jewish perspective like we are here to make this world a better place it's like the whole point of judaism is so point of the jewish people it's so point of humanity it's so point of like, us being alive so if i'm not like living that yeah then like what am i doing here right sure. i'm giving up on hope and i'm giving up i believe on the whole reason why there's anything to begin with, why humans are here, why Judaism is created. So it's kind of like, you know, built into like the whole purpose of everything. So that's what gives me hope is that this is why we're alive. And then specifically, if you want to get like really kind of you know, deeper spiritual, Do it, get it. Or it's, it's why we're born into this time period. Yeah. You and I and all of us were born into this time period because we're the kinds of souls that are not able to sit still mm -hmm. and we're not able to remain quiet and we need to raise our, our voices in the most beautiful and kind and compassionate ways possible. I love that. But like, it's like, you know, I'm not, we're definitely not prophets. We're not yeah. prophets. But in the ancient days when there was, well, when there were prophets and there was prophecy in the Jewish world, it was known that prophets were, were people who couldn't not prophesy. This is who they were, who they were born to be. And I believe that activists, you know, today are kind of have that same kind of persona. We can't not say something. Mm -hmm. It's who we are. And that's why we're put into this world at this time so that we can be those ones. So if you have an inkling to say something, you shouldn't stop yourself because you're supposed to say it. You're supposed to like think about those thoughts. You're supposed to like dive into it more. If you're interested in something, it should, it should be like a, a little hint of like, okay, let's, let's get into it. Exactly. I mean, it says in the Talmud that if there's something wrong in society and you don't speak up against it, that you're partially to blame. You'll, you'll be partially blamed for it. Yeah, that's heavy. It's also like encouraging them, like, open up your mouth and say something. Exactly. You know? Because like, that's what we're supposed to do. And that's the only way this world is going to get to be better. I love it. Okay. So I want to ask you one last question. 
let's give the Zevil Rebels listening a call to action. How can they take action today? I think I have an idea of what you're going to say, but just... I mean, look, you know, I talk a lot about veganism today and about our food choices and the impacts of our food choices. So definitely looking at what we're eating. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, like we said, in this talk, so much of, of how we live today has impacts, mm-hmm. right? But, but I think something that is unique about food and our food choices and how we eat is that it has so many impacts and affects almost, if not everything in this world from other humans to animals, to the environment, to ecosystems, locally and globally. So I would say if I was going to choose one call to action, and, and again, I, I really like what you said before about it being a process, you know, if you're not vegan, if you're not vegetarian, you know, I'm not saying if you have to become vegetarian, vegan by tomorrow, well, that would be nice just to look at your food choices, look at yeah. your food choices. And this whole idea of Zevil Rebel, it's amazing. You know, it's like, what, what is, I mean, the way I understand Zevil Rebel is, is lessening our impact. For sure. Lessening our, our negative impact on the world, you know, that stem from the choices that we make every single day. It's like rebelling gets one tack, one action, like one action at a time. Exactly. Rebelling perfectly, exactly. just start it. Just see what happens exactly. today. Like that, you could just be like a, like one time I did this thing where I looked at my trash for the week. Instead of throwing it out every day and not thinking about it, like I just collected it and I could understand, take like intake of what I was throwing out from that week, right? So this week, maybe you could like think about your meals, not in like diet culture, like think about your track it, but like just look at your plate today, see if there's something you can move around that would change it to like eat less animals or like. Exactly. Well, local. like meatless Monday thing. One exactly. Meat kind of thing. One deal. Just start, start, to start on that. Meal. Yeah. yeah. Schnitzel every Wednesday afternoon, maybe you have something else, you know, hundred percent. So just, I love it. It starts with awareness. It starts with thinking about it, but bring it to the level of action. Make one small little change, see how that feels, Mm -hmm. see where that goes and, 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 and know, you know, that your actions create reality and all of our actions, all of our actions create this reality. So uh, it's really in our hands and the world will be as good as we want it to be. Thank you so much for joining me. If you guys enjoyed this talk today, as much as I did, please leave a review on the Zev Bravo podcast. And to learn more from Rabbi Akiva Gersh, please check him out. He has this amazing course on the Jewish case for veganism, and you can connect with him on Facebook or Instagram as the Vegan Rabbi, which is also a great name. I think I'm only going to think of you as Vegan Rabbi. I'm going to be like, wait, what's your name again? Really? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So until then, stay rebellious. Bye, Rebels.